John chapter 1, and we're looking at one of my favorite disciples in the Bible. He has no book named after him. He doesn't have a whole lot of stories or interesting things about him. But I think he was one of those unsung heroes, one of those behind-the-scenes guys uh, that were really great. And John chapter 1, verse 35, again, the next day after John, that's John the Baptist, stood, and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him, and they followed Jesus. They heard John, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. And they came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day. For it was about the tenth hour, four o'clock in the afternoon. And one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which by interpretation is by interpretation a stone. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee, and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. So let's look tonight at this individual named Andrew in our next of the different apostles that we are studying. Andrew, as I said before, is one of my favorites. I really enjoy reading about him, enjoy thinking about him, and every time you find Andrew, he's doing something that we'll talk about tonight. Now, Andrew from comes from the Greek word Andreas, and it means manly. All right, so you gotta like him for that. Probably would have won the no shave contest. Uh, his family, he was the brother of Simon Peter, as the Bible says all over the place. His father's name, as it says we read tonight, is Jonah. Verse 42, not the same Jonah that was swallowed by a whale. That would have been hundreds and hundreds of years earlier. And obviously, from what we read in verse 44, Andrew lived in Bethsaida, uh, which also is a place where Peter and, and Philip were from. And also, as we'll see in a little bit, Matthew chapter 4 tells us that in other places as well. Andrew was, along with Peter, James, and John, his occupation was a fisherman. He was a fisherman. His life as a believer, though, first of all, again, Luke chapter 1, verse 17, John the Baptist was sent to prepare a people for the Lord. So this is not where Andrew or Peter got saved. And it gets taught that way and assumed that way again and again. However, they were already disciples of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist wouldn't have had disciples and wouldn't have baptized anybody unless he believed that they were converted. Andrew was a disciple of John the Baptist first. You read that in our text, verse 35, verse 40. You can see that Andrew, if John the Baptist said it, Andrew was paying attention because up until, up until this day, John the Baptist was the man. John the Baptist was the one he listened to. <clears throat> so he was saved and baptized under the ministry of John. In Acts chapter 1, we also re see that where Peter says, we need to replace Judas and we need to start with someone who was baptized from the baptism of John. His discipleship then is that he was 
following John the Baptist, and then he became a follower of Christ, as we read about just now. And just like I was teaching about Matthew last week, he was saved, he was following John the Baptist, but he was still a fisherman. He still had a job. He still had a vocation. But this day is when he started following Christ and started paying attention to Christ, and then Christ called him permanently to follow him. And so we see later that Andrew left his fishing business to follow Christ continually. Matthew chapter 4. Let's look there. And Mark chapter 1. Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway, just like Matthew, left their nets and followed him. Sometimes, especially in a, in a Jesus movie, it gets portrayed as if this is the first time they ever saw him. That's just not so. They knew who he was. They had been already led to the Lord by John the Baptist. And John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God, which take away the sin of the world. And so they, they followed Christ because of John's teaching and John's discipling in their life. First of all, Mark chapter 1, verse 16. Now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew his brother casting it into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said to them, Come ye after me, and I will make you fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And that is what called into the ministry is about, is the recognition when God says, I want you to follow me full time. I want you to forsake the income uh, actions that you had and just trust me and follow me. Obviously, he was called to be an apostle as well. And uh, so uh, with the apostles, what we understand about them is, of course, there was 11 plus the one they chose, Matthias, after Christ rose from the grave and went back to heaven. The apostles stayed together in Jerusalem up to a certain time. Even at the time of Saul's conversion, the apostles were still together. In fact, in Acts chapter 8, before Saul got saved, right after the stoning of Stephen, it says in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, and and following it says that the church scattered, except for the apostles. The apostles did not scatter. They stayed in Jerusalem. Acts chapter 9, 27, the apostles are still there. And when Barnabas brings Paul or Saul to the church, He brings them to the apostles and introduces him to them. Uh, So they were still present in a lot of the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 11, verse 1, they were still there. Acts chapter 15, the apostles are still there. Now, some of the apostles were doing a little traveling, like Peter and John. They were traveling out a little bit, especially Peter. But they were still headquartered in Jerusalem. So without knowing a whole lot about Andrew's uh, ministry after Christ uh, ascended to heaven, We do know that Andrew would have been one of those apostles that stayed in Jerusalem for much of the book of Acts. Now, tradition has some some different theories here. Tradition has Andrew preaching in Asia Minor, that would be like where Turkey is now, and, and north of the Black Sea. And because of this, he is today known as the patron saint of Russia. That's one tradition. Another tradition has Andrew meeting his death in Patras in Greece being scourged and then nailed to a diagonal cross or an X. And uh, that was that's also a, a theory that the cross is an X. I believe the cross is a cross. But I do think that some were nailed to an X, also could be called a cross. 
And that was one theory, that he was nailed after scourging to a diagonal cross. And because of this, Andrew is also the patron saint of Greece. Patron saint of Russia, patron saint of Greece. In the 8th century A.D., a tradition has a Catholic monk taking parts of Andrew's relics, or bones, that would be the only thing left, to Scotland, to St. Andrew's. Because of this, Andrew is also the patron saint of Scotland. Now, I really don't care so much where Andrew's bones are or the rest of his body is. I just know where Andrew is. Andrew's in heaven, and we will see him and meet him someday. Now, his standing or uh, where he's at in, in history or in the Bible. He's often referred to as Peter's brother. Uh, and yet, he's the one that brought Peter to Christ. Um, he was not part, you can go with me to Mark chapter 13, Andrew was not part of the inner circle. Can someone tell me the three who were part of the inner circle? Peter, James, and John. But I, I will tell you this, if there had been a fourth member, it would have been Andrew because they were the fishermen together. And then maybe after that, maybe Philip uh, because they were all from Bethsaida and, and whatnot. But here is one place where it's not three, it's actually four. Mark chapter 13 and verse 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives over against the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately some questions. So there you have all four of them together. And and yet what we find about Andrew is he's always behind the scenes, never, never I think, was never worried about being part of the inner circle but certainly would have been privy to a lot of what was going on. Andrew is listed in all four Gospels. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke only give the accounts of Andrew uh, being there versus actually doing something. The one that, that recorded Andrew as actually doing something was John, probably his friend, uh, probably a close friend. And, uh, and just like Andrew, John was the younger brother of James. And so maybe John had a little soft spot for Andrew. I don't know, but... John uh, records for us some of the actions of Andrew, like we read tonight in John chapter 1. It was Andrew who brought Peter to Jesus. Uh, outside, of course, John the Baptist, it was Andrew who I think was the first disciple, the first one called, the first apostle. Uh, he was special. Um, let me just say something about this. And, and you can go back to John. This time go to John chapter 3. Andrew's own mentor was John the Baptist. And here's what John the Baptist said. Imagine John the Baptist has all this popularity and so many people coming, crowds coming, and he's preaching the gospel, he's preaching repentance, and people are getting saved. And then he's baptizing them, and he's got Andrew and Peter and James and John and the others that are starting to follow and, and really soak it in. And then Jesus comes on the scene. And John the Baptist has to turn over all that work to Jesus. But that's exactly what he came for. That's what he was about. And what John ch chapter 3 verse 30 says, here's what John says. He, that's talking about Jesus, must increase, but I must decrease. Up until Jesus came on the scene and was baptized by John, John the Baptist was the preacher. And now John's saying, he, Jesus, must increase, and I must decrease decrease when he said i'm not worthy to unlatch his shoes his sandals that's quite a a, a statement because that means this he's, he considers jesus to be greater than him and of course he was and so to accept the ministry role of second string 
to take a step down, so to speak. Just take a, take a step back and be behind the scenes. And I do believe that Andrew followed that example from John the Baptist. There are others in the Bible who teach us this, Caleb and Joshua. I think Caleb was as great a man as Joshua. They, two of them were the spies who believed God and were not afraid of the giants. But God used Joshua to be the leader, and there's a book called Joshua. There's not a book called Caleb. But Caleb certainly was a great man, and behind the scenes, God blessed him as well. In the New Testament, you have this, Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. Romans 12, verse 3. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. There is no book called Andrew, but God certainly used Andrew in a great way. First Corinthians chapter 3 says this. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 5. Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye, received, ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Let's stop talking about Paul and Apollos, and let's just focus on Christ the Lord. Chapter 4, verse 1. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yeah, I judge not my own self, for I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified. But he that judgeth me is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the time, in other words, before the day of Christ, until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of every of the heart and shall and then shall every man have praise of God. Wait wait for when the Lord comes back and gives the rewards. Don't assume that, that things aren't fair because you're not being recognized for whatever. Verse 6, it says, And these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes, that ye might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now if thou didst not receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hast not received it? In other words, why do you brag on your talents when the truth is you got it from God? You got your gift of speaking or you got your gift of thinking. You got your gift of whatever it might be. And that came from the Lord. And so you need to recognize that God is the giver of those things. It's not like you that you evolved it yourself. And so we, we see here in Andrew, we see the humble attitude of a servant who God greatly used. And I so love this type of person. I hope that I am this type of person. Now, there's something very noticeable about Andrew. It doesn't take a uh, long. You just read what John said about him in John, and you can see this ab about Andrew. Andrew had this characteristic, and here's what it is. Anybody probably in here, probably some of you can already tell us what it is because you, you've heard this before. Andrew was always bringing people to Jesus. The action that you see about Andrew is he's always bringing somebody to the Lord. Now, sometimes you'll hear people use Andrew bringing his brother to the Lord as being the salvation of Peter. Again, 
I don't believe that this is where Andrew and Peter got saved. I believe that Andrew brought Peter to the Lord, but already they were believers, as we talked about before. But you can use this as an example of a soul winner. You can. And you can use this as, as an uh, example of how to bring someone to the Lord. First of all, in verse 39, um, come and see. And they came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him. Uh, if you're going to be someone that brings people to the Lord, you need to spend time with Christ. All right? Time spent with the Lord himself. Then, sec- and, and by the way, there are people today that had visitors in church. There are people today who invited someone else to church, and today they're sitting together in church. And that's awesome. I love it when it's word of mouth. Come and see. Come and hear the gospel. Come and hear the truth. There's a lot of people out there that don't know there's a better option than what they've got. And so word of mouth and witnesses is how this is going to take place. And so that's what Andrew did. Andrew said, Peter, we found him. This is him. This is who John's been telling us about. This is him. And then notice in verse 41, he first findeth his own brother, Simon. Priority, winning others to the Lord and uh, starting with who you know best, and that's your own family and the people right next to you. And then persistence. Uh, they're not going to come, so you've got to bring them. Uh, they're not necessarily seeking. Peter's, Peter's personality wasn't going to be the seeker type. You know, he'd have been focused on fishing. He must be sought. They're not going to learn. They're going to, they need to be taught. And so winning others to Christ involves some effort. You've got to go if you want it to happen. And then the plan. First found, found his own brother. Um, I do believe that follows the plan you see in Acts chapter 1. You'll be witnesses both in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, the uttermost part of the earth. Let's start at home. He finds his own brother. Let's start at home. Let's witness to people right next to us. There's no sense saying, God's called me to be a missionary. And if someone in our church ever said, I believe God called me, has calling me to be a missionary, I sure hope you've already been doing it right here in Custer. Because if you haven't been doing it at home, how do we believe you're going to be doing it somewhere else? And so Andrew, uh, also, he, he, he gives us that example of starting right with his home. And, uh, and what does he tell him? We found him. We found the Messiah, the Christ. Um, I was talking with someone today, uh, someone who is going to be visiting relatives real soon. And we we're talking about witnessing, and they said, "Oh, Pastor, they're just hardcore uh, Catholics, and you know they just they don't want to." But then they said this: "They said I've decided next time we talk, I'm just going to tell them what happened to me." That's exactly what witnessing is. When they put you on a witness stand in the courtroom, they want you to tell your story, what happened to you or what you saw. That's exactly what witnessing is: telling people your story of how you came to the truth because they can't argue with your story it's your story that's that is your testimony and we have found him we found the christ he is the christ i believe it come and see uh and and that's what we we have to do is is to witness and 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 to declare and when your friends or family see your excitement and your enthusiasm for what you found whether they act like it or not they're going to be interested and curious and then what's the purpose he brought him to Jesus. He brought him to the Lord, which is also the right, uh, the right thing about being a soul winner. It's not about winning them to pastor. You know, please, first of all, nobody here would because I already know you wouldn't. But, oh, Pastor Matt, he's just the most flamboyant, amazing personality. Don't do that. I mean, I know you're not, but that'd be dumb. Why? Because, first of all, it's a lie. Secondly, human beings are going to fail us. We're not following personalities. Our job is to bring people to Jesus. 
to sinners need Christ, not a church, not a creed. They need Christ. And after that, he'll find them the right place to be and what to learn next. And then the prize is that he uh, won this guy named Simon, who Jesus said, we're going to call you Cephas. And we know his other name is Peter. The prize is when you see someone get saved. Jeff Pryor got to see someone baptized last week that he had a hand in their coming to, the, to church. I think Jay got saved somewhere else. But what an awesome thing when someone you brought to Christ is saved. But not just saved. In Andrew's case, you do realize in Acts chapter 2, the brother that he brought to Christ stood up and preached and 3,000 people got saved. The Bible never says Andrew, Andrew stood up and preached. In the Bible never says Andrew was known or had a public speaking. But can you imagine Andrew standing at the side and listening to his brother preach? I'm guessing Andrew was smarter than Peter. Peter's the one that had the gift of gab. Andrew was probably the quiet thinker. And I could just see Andrew standing there watching Peter blab, and he's like, wow. And I had a part in seeing Peter brought to Jesus to begin with and John the Baptist preparing us for this moment. So Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. Then in John chapter 6, we see another story. John chapter 6. I like this story. It's a fun story. John chapter 6 and verse 1. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, or um, Lake Sea of Gennesaret. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples, and the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. And when Jesus had then lifted up his eyes, he saw a great company come unto him, and he saith unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. Jesus asked Philip, What are we going to do? If you read in another passage, you'll read in uh, Matthew chapter 14, verse 15, where the disciples said, just send them away. We can't, we can't deal with this. We don't have the, the money or the food to feed them. Lord, you're just going to have to tell them, go home. That was their attitude. And Jesus asked Philip, Philip, how are we going to buy them food? And Philip says, 200 penny worth isn't going to buy them enough food. Philip has more of a doubting Thomas spirit here. Obviously, the rest of the guys are just kind of standing around like, how in the world? But verse 7, excuse me, verse 8, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, there is a lad here which hath five, five barley loaves and two small fishes. And then after that, there's a colon. And after the colon... I, I don't know for sure, but after the colon, I think 11 pairs of eyes went. You know. I would say Robin's favorite word. Duh. How in the world are we going to feed all these people with that sack lunch? Why did you even bring that up? That is dumb. I'll tell you why, because Andrew was different. Andrew is the only one that went and found something. 
The rest of them are going, can't be done, can't be done, can't be done. Send them away, send them away. And Andrew said, it can be done. But I think he also realized, I probably look kind of stupid, but, but what are they amongst them? How, how can it be done? But he was willing to bring the lunch. We all know it did get done. And it was one of the most awesome miracles in the Bible. Cool. Sinners are not the problem, they're the prize. Andrew was people-oriented. The I don't see any other disciples bringing anybody to Jesus here. But Andrew brought this young boy. And uh, how did he know about him? Unless he was getting among the people. See, Matthew 14, they were saying, send them away. And that's the way sometimes people are. Here's what, here's what I know, humanly speaking. People are trouble. People have, every person in this room has problems of some kind. And so it becomes stressful. And there's a lot of stress when, especially if you're responsible for people. And the more people you are responsible for, the more stress you have. That's just how it works. Because people, people aren't just trouble, but people have problems. And amongst that, here's Andrew, getting to know them. And, and, and I don't know. I don't know. But that boy had to trust Andrew. I mean, if I was a kid, especially me, if I was a kid and I knew that the word was out that, that they didn't have any food, I'd tell you what I'd have done. I'd have crawled up behind a tree somewhere and I'd have just quickly scarfed it down. Because that's just me. But Andrew made friends with that boy and said, hey, would you come with me? I want to talk to Jesus about your lunch. He, he was a people person. And obviously he was optimistic. And obviously he was dependent on Christ. What are they among so many? But I'm, I'm at least bringing it to you. I don't know exactly how you're going to do this. But. And so then the third time we see Andrew bringing someone to the Lord, it's in John chapter 12. I'm so thankful for John. Andrew and John are, I think, are some special people. In John chapter 12, this is recorded. Again, Philip's involved here, but it says in John chapter 12, and we've talked about Philip already a few weeks ago, there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. These were Gentiles. These were not Jews circumcised and pedigreed. Verse 21, the same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. And I think, as I said earlier about Philip, it's possible that they came to Philip because Philip had a Greek name. The rest had Jewish names. Philip's name was Greek. He was a Jew, but he had a Greek name. And they come to Philip to be introduced to Jesus. And here's what it says in verse 22. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, his friend, and then again, Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. God used Andrew along with Philip to bring the Greeks to Christ, the Gentiles. Interesting about this, you get into the book of Acts and there's a big argument about the Gentiles being part of the church. Listen, Jesus accepted the Gentiles way back in John and spoke to them and received them. So Andrew was instrumental in bringing Peter to the Lord in bringing a young boy to the Lord and bringing these Greeks to the Lord as well. So when we look at Andrew, we see some things that we can apply to our lives. 
there's a twofold application here. Number one, the priority of bringing others to Christ. I so love, I so love it. I just, I love, as I, it happened today, people shook my hand and said, we live in such and such a place and so-and-so invited us to church. Praise the Lord. That's exciting. That's encouraging. The so-and-so that invited them to church never gets up and teaches or preaches, but just behind the scenes is doing what they can. You know, winning people to Christ is a wise thing. It's a wise thing. It says in Proverbs 11, verse 30, he that winneth souls is wise. You'll never regret winning people to Christ and bringing people to Christ. That's wise. You're, you're doing, you're talking about laying up treasure in heaven, bringing people to Christ. Secondly, it's essential. Ezekiel 3, verse 18 says, if you don't warn them, their blood is on your hands. Not only is it wise, it's essential. <clears throat> and thirdly, as you go to Jude, Jude, verse 22, not only is it wise and essential, but it's compassionate. You think that boy had a hard time believing in Jesus? After he saw what Jesus did with his lunch, he had a sack lunch that turned into 12 baskets full, plus thousands of people got to eat. Jude, verse 22, and of some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. I really enjoy our children's ministry. We have some children in our community who are very needy. Um, their, their background is, is very godless. And um, I, I know there's a lot of children in our community that are, I would say are spoiled and, and uh, we have nothing to offer them. There's nothing that we're gonna excite them with. There's nothing that we can do that can outdo what they already have somewhere else. But I'm thinking about some some individuals who come to Anchor Club and it really is the highlight of their week. And they feel cared for. They get a hot meal. They show interest and they want to be here. And I've, I've knocked on the door and the door opens and it's just bare inside. And I think, you know, the socialites or the socialists would want to try to provide material I, I'm glad they don't have it because they're hungry for something that we can give them rather than spoiled and I have compassion for them and I desire to help them and to, and to encourage them and I'm thrilled that they are, are connected with us some have compassion making a difference parents say well I'm an atheist but if they want to go that's fine but I just want you to know I'm an atheist Hey, that, that's fine. We're glad to have your child come. Some have compassion, making a difference. That's what we can get out of this is that it's wise, it's essential, it's compassionate to bring people to Christ. And then secondly, let me just emphasize tonight before we close the value of being the behind-the-scenes person. There is no book called Andrew, but Andrew is special. Andrew is one of the first ones that Jesus talked to. 
first ones that Jesus selected. Why? Because, yeah, you need teachers, and yeah, you need this, and yeah, you need people to be up in front of everybody, but you really, what you really need is those behind-the-scenes people, the Andrews. Did you listen to the letter that was read this morning? The letter from our missionary in Hungary. Joshua reads pretty fast. But the letter talked about how that they had this meeting and the meeting was called, Why is my child like this? What can I do? And and their oldest, their firstborn, I don't know how old he is now, he must might be four or five. He has Down syndrome. But did anybody catch the name of the boy? Josh reads it fast. I'm not even sure if he said it. You know the name of the boy? He was here a couple about three summers ago. He was real cute and well well behaved. You know what they named him? Andrew. Why? I think, I, I've never asked the mom and dad, I think that mom and dad said, God's given us this kind of a boy. But let's name him Andrew. Because God can use him to bring people to Jesus. And you read that letter today? And they had a class for parents who have retarded kids. Why? Because it's bringing people to Jesus. Pretty cool. And I want to say this about the behind the scenes people. He lived in the shadow of his famous brother. His brother was famous. There's first and second Peter, and he's all over the place in the Gospels. He's all over the place in Acts, and he walked on water. I mean, my brother's like, gets all the attention. That's okay. Being behind the scenes is awesome. Look what Paul said about some of his behind the scenes friends. Romans chapter 16. Speaking of Paul, if you read all the things that Paul wrote in the New Testament, he always talked about his team, his his helpers. And he would say, my fellow helpers, my fellow soldiers, my fellow laborers, my fellow workers, my fellow servants. And he even said, my fellow prisoners. And he always, he always recognized the people behind the scenes that were like Andrew. In Romans chapter 16, here's what it says. I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Centuria, and that ye receive her in the Lord as become a saints, and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you. For she hath been a succor of many, and of myself also a help to me. Then greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Salute my well-beloved Epineus, who is the firstfruits of Achaia unto Christ. Greet Mary, who bestoweth much labor on us. Salute Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Greet Ampelius, or Amplius, my beloved in the Lord. Salute Urbane, 
our helper in Christ. And Stichys, my beloved, salute Apelles, approved in Christ. Salute them which are of Aristobulus' household. Salute Herodian, my kinsman. Greet them that be of the household of Narcissus, which are in the Lord. Salute Tryphena and Tryphosa, who labored in the Lord. Salute the beloved Persis, which labored much in the Lord. Salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. Salute Essen. Critus and Phlegelon and Hermas and Petrobus and Hermes and the brethren which are with them. Salute Philogelus and Julia and Nereus and his sister and Olympus and all the saints which are with them. Salute one another with an holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. Paul's just listing all those people that we don't really know anything about other than what he said. But I guarantee you this, they were some of his, they were his offensive linemen. The guys understand what I mean. Nobody has offensive linemen selling cars or cereal. Quarterbacks do that. Quarterbacks are the cool. I'll tell you what, there ain't no quarterback without the offensive linemen. And those awesome people. This also, you could go to 1 Corinthians 12. We'll not go there tonight, but it talks about the hand and the foot and the eye and the ear and how that all those parts are so important. And that's who Andrew was. Andrew was just somebody who did exactly what Jesus said to do. He became a fisher of men. And Andrew was instrumental in catching some big fish. And then God used those fish to catch others. Praise God. We don't have to be a big shot. That's what I love about Andrew. You ever notice Brother Bill's son's name? Just be an Andrew. Just be someone who brings people to Christ. That's what we can learn tonight from this great guy who I think is greater than people realize. And his name is Andrew. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for our opportunity to teach and, and, and study each and every one of these apostles and the behind the scenes that we get and the glory uh, that is there that we might overlook. And help us to realize there's there's nothing wrong with being behind the scenes. And thank you. Lord, you know how much I appreciate people who are just behind the scenes faithful and so helpful and so good at what they do. And we thank you and praise you for that. Help us to just desire to to not be Peters and Pauls, but if you call us to that, that we recognize there's always Andrews. Those Andrews are so special and so, so essential, so important. We thank you for them. Thank you for the Andrew in our life that brought us to you. Thank you for that Andrew that brought us to you. Help us to not be Andrews for someone else. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.